Welcome back to the basement. You are now tuned into Chunky Glass of the Podcast. I am Kevin, as usual. Uh, returning listeners, thank you for choosing to spend another hour with us this week. And new listeners, welcome to the basement. Uh, make yourself comfortable. Kick, you know, just kick back, relax, uh, grab a seat, maybe open a beverage. Hopefully you're in for a little good time of, uh, of hanging out and sort of curmudgeonly music opinionating. Um, last week we did our podcast, our mid-year podcast. We finally got that out there. So if you haven't checked that out, uh, it features stuff that we uh, either missed covering or we felt needed to be covered that you might not have heard. Uh, our friend Marcus Dowling came by. Uh, Quinn Myers came by. So I uh, had a really good time with that one. So check that one out, if you will. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about the new album from Thundercat, uh, The Beyond Where the Giants Roam. He's a bass player on many of our favorite albums this year, including Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. So we're going to see if that holds up. Uh, before that, we're going to get into some news. Apple Music is here. Uh, I am using it, and I am not necessarily that happy about it, but neither is the rest of the internet. So uh, for once, maybe I'm right. Uh, also, Prince's A Dick is going to come back, that little segment that we have from time to time. And we're going to be talking about the little uh, Foo Fighters uh, photo release gate. Uh, real brief background, because we'll get into it more here in a minute. Um, photographers have to sign releases sometimes. Often those releases are really big bullshit. Uh, the Foo Fighters was one of those, those really big bullshit that basically says they own the copyright to your work uh, and you sign this and, and that's the agreement you make to be able to shoot them. Well, uh, the city paper here in Washington, D.C. Uh, said, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, and while their solution wasn't really... Uh, I, it wasn't necessarily a protest because they still covered the show uh, and they still uh, they, they were buying photographs uh, from cell phones, uh, which is a whole nother issue that we're going to get into on a later podcast, hopefully. But uh, you know, it was good that they, they shine, a, shine a light on on this issue because it is a big issue and, and it gets into like artists respecting artists because nobody – nothing we do, whether you're a musician, a writer, a, a podcaster uh, – you know, we are we are all creating, and, and one form of art is not uh, more valid than another, and so we should respect all our fellow artists and creators and whatnot. So we're going to be talking about that, and uh, I'm going to be featuring a track from the North Country. Uh, just saw them last Thursday. That actually kicked off my uh, week of birthday celebration. So thank you guys for that. It was an amazing show. Paul actually saw them for the first time, uh, so we figured, hey, you know, let's, let's, let's give them a little love here. Let's, let's play another track. So we're going to play another track off their excellent album, uh, There Is Nothing to Fear, that came out this year. Uh, also ran off a few shows at the end of this podcast, but one I forgot that's really important. Uh, Typefighter has announced a few weeks ago that they are calling it quits. That show is going to be at the Rockland Hotel uh, on July 11th. I am planning on being there. Uh, if you haven't seen them before, they are an amazing band. Ryan McLaughlin and his crew also made an amazing album last year. Uh, now this is the last time you're going to get to see them. Until the reunion tour, I guess. But uh, assuming that's not going to happen since they're all moving on to like bigger and better projects. So uh, be sure to check them out. Uh, we'll put a link to the last album in the show notes, and then uh, make your way down to the Rock Around Hotel, and we'll grab a few beers and whatnot. Uh, so all that is going on this week. Right now, though, what's going on, I guess, is uh, episode 123 of Chunky Glass of the Podcast. So uh, strap in, sit down, get ready, or me and Paul are going to take on uh, Thundercats, the Beyond, here. Where the Giants Run. And it finishes here. Two men enter, one man 
two-word review. He just said, shit sandwich. That right there is a wonderful house. Surprisingly, no. Yeah. Surprisingly, uh, Uber was just fine. So Uber last night, both of our Uber drivers uh, tried to kill us, I think. So oh, that was, so nice. That was good. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> One of them didn't realize that uh, a stop sign near my house is not a two-way. It's not a four-way. It's a two-way. Oh. So. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, that's always good. Yeah. It's, been, it's been a long uh, 4th of July weekend here. So didn't gather a lot of people for this podcast. Uh we're going to be talking about a little uh, Thundercat this week. It was, uh, if you are a fan of like uh, Kendrick Lamar, um, who, Kasami Washington, like he's a, a jazz bass player. He actually recently played here in DC at the Jazz Fest. Uh, put out a new record or a new EP. Uh, we'll, we'll get into if that even qualifies for an EP. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think, think he's he's calling it a mini album. A mini album. Well. Uh, 16 minutes long. Uh, first, we got a little bit of uh, juicy news to talk about this week. Uh, first up, I think I think we'll hit Apple first up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Apple Music has launched. It is out there. I don't know if you have used it, Paul. Uh, I do not even have a device that I could probably well, use it on. And, and so. that may be one of the problems. I have. I have been uh, experimenting with it on the phone. and so If you've been reading the internets and seeing all these things, uh, there seem to be some problems that – uh, you would think would be completely unavoidable, but uh, it's Apple, and uh, you know I'm not one of these people that has ever had a, really a problem with iTunes, except for the fact that it's a little bloated and, st- and stuff. But then there's a lot in there. I don't get obsessive about this massive like music collection here, but some people do. If you sign up for the service now, uh, it's a free trial. If you have uh, like I can't use the the main functionality yet. Uh, because the limit is twenty five thousand songs, I have thirty nine thousand. So, uh. so that's a problem. Because I, I mean, I legitimately want to test this, and and we'll get into why in a second. Um, uh, but the big issue that people are having right now is that it is completely sort of rewriting their music libraries. Now, this sounds like a very first world problem, I think. But uh, you know, if uh, you didn't buy it from iTunes or whatnot. The idea is is that it matches uh, what you have. It's basically an XML file, and then you can stream it to all your devices, which is the opposite of what Match was, a service that they unveiled like two years ago, uh, where it matched it, and then you had to download it to your devices. So, uh, in theory, I mean, this sounds right, Paul. But yeah, I like, mean, in theory, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> right. Um w- that functionality has been, I guess, the uh, the magic jukebox in the sky. I mean, here's the thing. I'm an Apple person. I have an Apple phone. Uh, the integration uh, so far is super tight. And I don't know if you're Android, so I don't know if there's a an analog to this on, on that. But uh, I've never had a purpose for Siri. But now I can hit Siri and say, play Hall & Oates, 
And it not only says hello, Kevin, <laughs> but and plays Hall's on it. Hall on it. Does, does it then laugh at you for your taste? No, it does not laugh <laughs> at me for my taste. Um, it stuff like that. Patrick and I talked about this a little bit, um, and that's where it could win. I mean, we're both diehard audio users. Yeah. Uh, even if I did subscribe to Apple Music, I would not give up my audio. Uh, just because I think they do a really good job. I think they've got an amazing product. But uh, it is sort of difficult on the surface to give this up. But with this, like, massive clusterfuck of, of – I mean, deleting files. Like, if this came in and deleted my library, like, that's, you know – It sounds like something you should probably be backing up your library before you start. I agree. Uh, and they offer solutions and stuff. What do you think Apple, though, Paul, uh, just uh, just opining on it? can do to like fix this sort of fiasco right now um i don't know to me it seems like whenever apple has some kind of fiasco they just kind of power through it and eventually everybody uses what they put out anyway and i think that might be the theory they're operating on they're like we're gonna put this out it's gonna show up on on your phone automatically you're all gonna use it because you're curious about it and we're advertising this functionality and it's you almost have no choice because mm-hmm. it's going to just integrate itself with uh, with your collection and anybody who's been buying all their music through iTunes, it's going to be like easier to do it than to not do it. Um, and they're just kind of like – I think they just kind of like, well, if there are some problems, we'll, we'll work it out. You're all – it's not like you're all going to stop buying iPhones if you're locked right. into the – if you're locked into the ecosystem, right? you're already yeah. locked into the ecosystem. Yeah. So – you know, take your medicine. <laughs> I mean – and it's it's terrible because this is not – how uh, this is not what you would consider good customer service, you know, but they do know and and you are locked into it. Like if uh, my uh, theoretically, the, the move is to that it would all be streaming like you, you can't download your files from Apple anymore. Like I, I guess that would be the long game, maybe in, in a few years um, that becomes a real problem. But like you said, people, I think are going to keep using it and stuff. I, I am shocked. That I actually mildly enjoyed the ease, <laughs> the integration. Uh, it doesn't match up to a lot of my stuff. I mean, there's there's big holes in this. Uh, well, and, I, and I've heard that that's a big problem. Is that if you've got stuff that they don't have available streaming, yeah. that like building playlists and having it bounce between like what you're streaming and what you've got locally is uh not exactly seamless yeah <laughs> yeah no it, no it's not and and it's also uh and the thing i wanted to check out really uh is the idea that it uploads these tracks and then you have them available so uh to stream if uh, a lot of what i have on my phone like locally is advances i mean that's just how i uh, you know i get them i listen to them and stuff uh, so I have that uh, when I turned it on, for example, uh, the Jason Isbell album we're going to be talking about soon, all of a sudden was unavailable on my phone mm. because it couldn't match their search because it's not out yet. And you can't there's no and you can't work around on. That well, or? you can turn off the iCloud music, but as long as that's on, you're and it, I think it asked if you want to merge it or something, but it it didn't it didn't work. Yeah, <laughs> when I turned it on so. Um, yeah, it's just been funny to watch this launch. Now the iTunes uh, app on the desktop is really uh, just a giant piece of bloatware. Uh, that's the other thing, the the speed of it. Like the audio app is essentially a uh, HTML wrapper. 
yeah. which is fine. Um, and so it works at, at the speed of the web, you know. Um, but iTunes progressively gets uh, slower and slower. I mean, we have <laughs> we have problems when we play songs. We're going to have a problem here in about like 30 minutes <laughs> when we play a song. We'll be like, okay, we're playing it out loud. I'm like, okay, wait. You know, that's due to the software. Um, when you build in this streaming service to it and have to wait for that, that also was sort of like, oh. Yeah, man. but like I said, you know they they know everybody's locked. I mean, hey, I've got problems with that because I used to have never had an iPhone, but yeah. I I had a succession of iPods, uh-huh. and so I have a fair bit of music that I bought through iTunes. Yeah, and so even though I have no Apple products anymore, uh-huh. I still have to use iTunes as my resident music player on my computer for anything that's not audio based, basically. Well, because the you files, might you might be able to. I think they did away with DRM. So which get, actually gets into the other um, point. I, is, maybe they made it backwards compatible, but like my old files yeah. were uh, pretty well locked down. They weren't recognized by anything else. Right. Like, Great. So I got to keep using a piece of Apple well, software when I don't uh, when I don't have anything Apple anymore. A, a couple of years ago, they I don't know, they definitely did get rid of DRM. And then here's the other problem that they're having right now is that if it matches, like, so say I'm on my phone and I and it matches what I have, and and so I'm using it streaming in the cloud. If I then want to download it, um, and I'm not like it, there are cases of it overriding the files, but you're downloading a DRM file again because of issues with uh, streaming and licensing mm-hmm. because that's a whole different like ballpark. So they have the rights to only do this. They can't, I guess, give away like un-DRM files just because you subscribe to the service. Yeah. Um, so well, I, an interest, a question I've gotten. I'm sure you know. I'm. I'm not a copyright lawyer, but uh, something that I've that I've wondered about with this with these types of services, and particularly this one now that with the scale that it's got, is if there are files that people have that were not legally acquired, but now they're uh, they're saying, oh well, because you have it on your computer, you can use through our streaming license, you can mm-hmm. stream it through our service. It's like. I guess the argument would be that all they're doing is recognizing a file that you're representing as being legally acquired and they're then allowing you to use their stream right there. But yeah. are, do they have safeguards in to protect themselves for that? Or more to the point for people who have that type of uh, that type of music, do they have risk in letting Apple yeah. read their system? And, well, and I think that, that only applies to the downloading of that because what happens is, is I mean, you legitimately could, your, your library is not like it looks at each file. It looks at what's called an XML file and everything is tagged in it. So it's essentially a big database. Uh, so if you, the, the, the usefulness of this is that I do have all this stuff in my iTunes here mm-hmm. and, um, it's I can't transfer all those things to my phone or any other device, uh, but say like assuming it eventually lands on the Apple TV, which we also have, uh, it it will do that, and then it'll be a representation like of what they have the rights to stream on that other device, and and that is the usefulness of having um, like like what's up there. I, I don't think they'll run into any any issues because. Uh, you could just fake an XML file. Yeah, I mean they've got they've got smart lawyers working on this, I'm yeah, sure. So yeah. I'm not overly concerned about Apple's litigation exposure, but uh, it's still an interesting question, I think, because yeah, of because of what sure. they're doing, and and because of you know 
how file share like the the legal theories under which like certain file sharing services have been taken down in the past yeah. like just saying oh well we're just a facilitator for what should be a legal activity yeah. doesn't always work as a defense right so right uh in other streaming news and uh a more glorious crossover uh, with our Prince is a Dick series. Mm. <laughs> earlier he really this week, is. He really, really is. Uh, earlier this week, Prince removed uh, his music from all streaming services except uh, – can you guess which one? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually two though. So, so this is still – sort of fucked up. Oh, uh, so uh, except for Tidal, uh, you apparently can still stream his music on uh, Google Play. Uh, I haven't checked it out, but they have their own thing, so I don't know why that is. But uh, everything, my playlists on audio are decimated (laughs) 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 because I have no more prints. There was a lot of parade up in there, a lot of the Batman soundtrack, and I mean, uh, we've talked about getting into this age, the the exclusivity wars and all this stuff. what do you think about this move, Paul? I, I'll I got a lot to say about it, but what do you think? Well, I mean, I think it. I think Prince is a dick for yeah. doing it. Like that's that's the biggest takeaway. It's also exactly what we've been talking about with title that like they're not going to get people based on you know this lossless audio thing. Mm-hmm. Like most people even if there is a difference, can't hear it through their equipment. And if they can hear it, most people aren't willing to pay double to have it. Right. Like that's not the big selling point right there. This whole the the whole artist benefit thing, not a huge selling point either because as we've said before, all you're doing is directly benefiting the artists that are the partners in it and those yeah. ones those guys already have a ton of money. So until they show how they're going to benefit the smaller artists, artist benefits not going to pull people over. How are they pulling people over? They've got some of the biggest artists in the world as partners in the company. And if they start offering more than just one-off concerts and things like that as exclusives on Tidal, yeah. that's their selling point. And yeah. this is the this is the first shot across the bow right here because saying this is the only place you can hear Prince unless you want to buy every Prince album yourself. Right. That's a big selling point. Is this what's going to happen with Kanye now? Is this what's going to happen with everybody that's signed a third man? Like, Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's the thing. I think, though, it, it's funny. In, in any article, uh, you, you wade into the comment section uh, for uh, these articles about this Prince thing. Uh, and there's a large response of people who are like, who cares? He's old. Like, he hasn't had a hit in however long. Like, it, it, while that is laughable, uh, but uh, the majority of people who are are just finding out about streaming music, I think, or or are generally more casual listeners. I mean, I I don't think something like Prince is enough to get anybody to switch to anything. Like his fans already have all his stuff, so you're really talking about paying for a convenience, which isn't that convenient because you got to pay for your bandwidth. Yeah, I think it's. Um... Well, I I don't want to I don't want to be as as blasé as that. I'm looking at it more, and I'm looking at it more as like, is this the first step? Are the right. uh, are the other folks who are part owners in title going to make it so that their contracts mm. lock all of their music, not just going forward, but their back catalogs, which is where I think the the real deal is. It's like, yeah, if Jay Z's next album is only on title, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, if every album Jay Z's ever done is only on title. That's a really big deal. And if you start adding those up, if it's like Jay-Z does it, Kanye does it, 
Jack White and but, all of his but folks again, do it. Like then, these are these are like you said, some of the biggest artists in the world. Won't their fans already have these albums? I mean, not necessarily. And and also like, I don't know that it's necessary. I don't know that it's necessarily about possession because we've already said that people don't right necessarily buy albums anymore. So a lot of what you get is is on streaming. Mm-hmm. I know that that most of my music listening now is streaming Absolutely. through is streaming through through audio. Um so that is a big deal, mm-hmm. especially when, you know, I think that we're in, in a very a big playlist culture now. Most people love yeah. be, having the convenience of being able to build customized playlists and like you said, your a lot of your playlists got screwed up because <laughs> Prince was a centerpiece of them. Most people are going to have Prince songs in some of those playlists, yeah. and if you're start and if you're then going, I don't know that it's enough that it's going to pull a lot of people over, but it does. At a certain point, it, it does become a tipping point. If you're like, wait a second, I can't get any of these guys. But then the bigger problem is if Apple then starts then works something out where they're like, we're the only ones that are streaming the Beatles, yeah. you know, and someone else is the only one who's got Taylor Swift locked in or something like that. And then you're ending up in a situation like you've got with Hulu and Amazon Prime and Netflix and yeah. stuff right now where you've got to subscribe to three or four different services. I still hate it. that I have to subscribe to Hulu. <laughs> it's like, God damn. I've been resisting it, but it's uh, it's the only place you can get like current se- the current yeah, season if, yeah. you have, if you didn't catch it while it was on. Um, well, I mean, and, and to that though, the see, I, I feel like a component of this has has to sort of be if. Like piracy, people still want to own their stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a site called Torrent Freak that reports on, like, they don't say piracy, but, you know, uh, those issues and copyright issues and stuff. It'll be interesting to watch and see, because I, I know they're going to uh, be watching this and tracking, like, how much, like, piracy of stuff, like, increases. Yeah. And, well, and, and uh, not, not to cut you off here, but it's. Yeah. That's something we've talked about before. Yeah. That the reason streaming services have been successful so far is not because it's like everybody prefers to stream. It's because it's a convenient and cheap way right. to do something and to, to get all the music you want and right. keep it legal. As soon as it becomes it, inconvenient or not cheap, yeah. then people will go right back to the high seas where they were before. And, and, and that's the thing. It's, it's like if you uh, – yeah, the convenient and cheap. It's almost like a bait and switch for the consumer, you know, where you get all these people who might not. I mean, they're casual music fans, but yeah. they're like, "Holy shit!" And I have said this a million times. Like, whether you got your music uh, from a, a illicit download or, or streaming, having it all available like makes it gives you this immense musical vocabulary that people just didn't have before. Right. And they couldn't get it off radio. Maybe back in the day, but I don't even think then. I mean, now, certainly not. You know, radio is the same, you know, like 24 songs on repeat every six hours or so. Yeah. Uh, You know, so by telling people they could have it this way and then be like, but oh, no, no, we're going to go back to the way it's always been. And it's it's just... It's a it's a weird backwards looking thing, which actually brings me to the final point I wanted to make about this. There's a lot of talk about how how these artists are getting paid and streaming and stuff, and uh, we've I voiced my opinion on on the rates and stuff stuff for. So there's no need to rehash that. An artist like Prince, I think, has the rights to his stuff, 
But like, how effective are these exclusive things going to be, really, for the general like artist? Like, because most artists don't. Mm-hmm. Most artists like the label owns that, so it's not up to the artist. Like uh, Taylor Swift can pull her stuff off because she's Taylor Swift. But uh, even like a band, uh, like a, we played the other weekend, like a male, the horse has no say, right? In that, you know, if they want to be on a label, then they're going to give up control of their stuff. So, like, how effective are, can this possibly be? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's, but I think that's why it. I don't know if it'll be effective, but why it's going to be a real pain is because there are a handful of artists that can do this. Mm-hmm. And bec- the very reason they have that power is that there is a, there, that they're the folks that a lot of people want to listen to. Yeah. And if you've got the, you know, let's say, let's say that there are two dozen and that might even be stretching it artists in the world that have that kind of control and juice to, uh, to make that work. And if you've got those two dozen artists split between three or four different streaming yeah. platforms and then, 95% of the rest of the catalogs is the same between them. And that, then it's like that's then those ex- exclusivity contracts are the only differentiating factor other than, you know, interface. Which, and they're also going to be the highest pirated ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, because you, I mean, you know, if you're a Spotify user, you aren't going to quit. I mean, nobody is moving over a title because of Prince. Right. But, you know, there might be an artist where people do that and be like, oh, shit, you know, this. But, uh yeah it's it's a yeah it, it's accelerating faster than i thought it would because we've talked about how this yeah. is going to happen and it's sort of uh yeah so we'll, we'll keep an eye on it and uh keep updating you uh the last thing before we get to thundercat uh real quick want to touch on the the big dave grohl uh fracas here uh he played last night here in washington dc at uh rfk stadium big fourth of july celebration uh and the washington city paper actually outed uh, the release that they give to photographers to shoot this. Now, uh, Paul, you read it, and uh, you have a, a legal mind. <laughs> um, this is uh, what, what's known in the industry, I guess, as a rights grab. Uh, it struck me as odd that uh, I, I've seen a lot of them. I've signed a few of them. Uh, I know there are people in town that won't sign them. In fact, uh, this was one, uh, the photographer, I know the photographer of City Paper was there, and she was like, Maybe going to sign it, but the editor was the one who pulled the trigger on this. But essentially what it said outright uh, is the thing I haven't seen is that we, the Foo Fighters, own your copyright and can use it however we want. In And we're in the universe in perpetuity. Yeah, it actually said anywhere in the universe. Yeah, yeah. So how big bullshit, like, it's this is legally airtight, correct? I mean, look, I, I'm not going to provide a legal opinion okay. on the sufficiency of that contract, yeah. but it – at first glance to me yeah. looked pretty tight. Like you can't go into that. No, like saying, I don't know what I'm signing. It's right. pretty clear what you're signing. The bro- the problem is that you're signing away everything. Yeah. Theoretically, like the folks who are there covering a big show like this, a lot of them make their living or at least part of it as photographers. They do. And I totally understand the foos or anybody else wanting to control the way that their image is used. Mm-hmm. But Man, just yeah, being it, like you've got no mm-hmm. rights to anything that you bring out here. You can use, you use it once. You can use it for this thing, and then we can reuse it without crediting you. They're like, we'll Correct. make. They don't even say best efforts. It was, and we'll try to credit you if you if we can. Mm-hmm. But if we do it without crediting you, that's not a cause of action for you to yeah. do anything about it. So basically, like you take the greatest picture of in the in the world of Dave Grohl, and they could use it. 
in any material they wanted to forever without crediting well, you or compensating. That you. happened to PJ. His photo was the tour announcement for this last tour. And he saw it, and he didn't sign the release. We both shot the show. We didn't know each other at the time. He was on one side of the barrier, and I was on the other side, you know. And uh, but they used his photo, and they didn't credit him. And he was, and he's all good with it. And then he, uh, didn't. He was actually here on Friday. I didn't get a chance to get him on mic talking about this stuff. But um, you know, it, yeah, it's the artist's right to do this. It it gets in a really messy uh, zone that I actually want. <sighs> against my better judgment to put together a panel of photographers mm-hmm. like to talk about it because like there's this thing you know uh you're taking away my right to make a living it's like well you don't have a right to shoot the any band it's true um and they like you said they have a right to control their image and stuff but there's a lot of back and forth with this as far as just general um uh, good relations with the people, your media who are like supporting you and stuff. Right. It, it, to me, it doesn't make any sense just from a, from a business relations perspective, because when you're talking right. about a tour like this, that's making tens of millions of dollars on especially associated with this event here in DC last mm-hmm. night, that they've been hyping for the last nine months. Yeah. It was a big anniversary show. Like why not, even if you're not going to put something official in there, be, if you decide to use a photo, be like, we're going to give you a photo credit and send you 200 bucks right there. Yeah. That right there yeah. costs you nothing or, in the scheme of your tour and uh, buys you all the goodwill in the world. And, and, I'll, and I'll take a little further is like say, uh, you know, a lot of photographers take issue with the line that says, you know, if you want to use it again, like you have to contact us. And we have to approve it, which, again, I actually think is okay. You, Dave Grohl does not want his face showing up on a bunch of, like, bongs and dildos. Sure. Um, well, he might. But he might. Wants, he yeah, wants a yeah. cut, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, he, and that's the point. It's like, and, and he deserves a cut of that. Or, um, But uh, the way that system works now is that they aren't available to the photographer. So you can put in a lot of requests, and they just never respond. And that's also not okay. You know, they, they, if like my solution, and actually this is sort of PJ's solution, uh, so I'm paraphrasing is, is th- these bigger artists, if they're going to do this, just hire your own photographer. N- nobody has any issue uh, with or should have any issue with a band just saying no. We don't want any photographers because we're going to do it themselves. It's well within their budget. They can uh, do what they want, and then they work out the terms of that contract, which, by the way, that photographer is never going to sign one of those things that says uh, the Foo Fighters then own their copyright like in perpetuity. But um, you know, don't waste people's time like having them sign this or being difficult. Like this one, they're like, well, you can shoot everything uh, – Throughout the day, except uh, the foos, which you have to shoot from the soundboard, which is there's no what? well. The reason for that, I think, is that they did they actually did hire somebody, so it's it's a it's partially uh, you know bad contract making and bad relations that way, and partially just their their PR team being bad at what they do. Again, nobody's going to get their feelings hurt if you just say no. We're just not letting anybody like shoot this because we have this guy doing it. Like they hired the person, uh, but when you start, you know, getting weird conditions for no reason, and yeah. they're not really being honest with people uh, about why you're doing it, and and you shouldn't have to ask questions. Like right. people who go out and cover these shows uh, work really fucking hard. I mean, I know uh, 
when I was doing it a lot, uh, that was the worst part is dealing, like, getting around this, whether there was a release or not. Um, you know, seeing like when you show up and you're not on the list. Oh, the worst part wasn't dealing with uh, guys like that guy at the North Country show the other night. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> which which guy? The guy who like just kept standing in front of the photographer. I mean, like there were two photographers trying to work in front of us, yeah. and he literally came up from the back row and leaned on an amp right <laughs> in front of the camera, <laughs> and she looked at him and just kind of moved to the other side of the stage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that that's that's again a whole other thing, uh, etiquette with that and flash, you know. Yeah, but those guys also end up shooting the whole show, which is. Yeah, the other here, the there. So, the point is, uh, Dave Grohl will never look at this contract. It is irrelevant. I, good on City Paper for uh, for pointing it out, making it uh, people a little more aware of the issue. I do think that had they uh, really had the stones, they just would have not covered it, and that would have been the appropriate thing and and made more of a statement. But a lot of people saw the piece. I mean, it's got to be the most traffic they'll, they'll ever get. Um, it's been passed around forever and angry photographers, man, they fucking <laughs> they tweet everything. So, um, that's about our news for this week. Then, uh, let's get into some Thundercat. That song is Hard Times. It is by uh, an artist known as Thundercat. His new EP or mini album, uh, The Beyond slash Where the Giants Roam. Uh, Thundercat's real name is Stephen Bruner. Like we said up front, he is uh, he was on the Kasami Washington album. He is a big part of the Kendrick Lamar album. I, I'd say a big part of what makes that a success. Uh, his touch with that. He is. This is his third album uh, or third release. The first one was back in 2011. Uh, it's called The Golden Age of Apocalypse, followed up in 2013 by Apocalypse. The best way, uh, as you just heard, to describe this music, uh, I was trying to tell you about it. It's like, I, I don't know, sex jam's gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, there's a, it's, it's hilarious because there's a very specific type of music in the uh, 80s, uh, late 80s. Uh, it was R&B radio, and it was exclusively meant to be like the bedroom jams and it was never good and what made it bad was a combination of over the top like because they did have people like harvey hancock playing stuff who i think plays on this record. yeah he does and you know they they had this and then pair it with these absurdly like uh, juvenile isn't even the word lyrics that it makes it sort of like it, it makes it just a full on like farce to think of somebody being like, I'm going to put this on and we're going to get busy. You know, um, Paul, you actually suggested that we cover this. Yeah. So this is, so this is sort of on you. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I suggested that we cover it because I like a lot of the work that Thundercat's been doing yeah. lately, especially with the, uh, with the brain feeder artist. One that you didn't, you know, you didn't mention in that first rundown was, yeah. he was a big part of, uh, flying Lotus's album last yeah. year, which, I love that was number two on my list last year, and his his base work is a huge huge part of uh, the sound that 
um, Kamasi Washington mm-hmm. and Flying Lotus are getting out of their stuff. He, like, he did great work on Kendrick's album. So I definitely thought it was worth covering it here. And the the musicianship on this album, I think, is is fine. It's just that the, <laughs> it's very good, but the, yeah. it, it doesn't hit the thematic notes as well as he wants to. It's supposed to be an album, I think, again, in the same vein as Flying Lotus is Your Dead, which was much tighter conceptually. He's still he's trying to wrestle with some uh, some deaths in his uh, right. in his life recently, and and some of the other like larger social and racial issues we're going going through in the country here. So it's a very um, it's a fraught album. It's dealing with themes of impermanence and mortality. Uh, these are heavy themes yeah, to explore yeah. in. 16 minutes of synth heavy right jams <laughs> i don't yeah know. so there seems to me to be a bit of a disconnect between the uh the subject matter and the music yeah and there wasn't a whole lot on this album mini album yeah on this mini album that uh that kind of hooked me right. um, beyond it and i i came into it Wanting to love it and came out of it not quite in love. Let's 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 uh let's hear a track another track from this. Uh this is Them Changes. I think this is one actually that I sort of hooked into. Uh so this is Them Changes uh, off of Thundercats Jam. <laughs> Where were you when I needed you the most? 
So uh, that is them changes. I mean, that, that's basically the Bee Gees, you know, with a funk, uh, super funk, yeah. not a white boy funk. But, but that, I mean, that is a great funk through line, right? Right. In that in that song, but then, like you said, it just it's Bee Gees over the top of it, which is not always a bad thing, uh-uh. but it doesn't. I don't think that there's a that it that it completely melds with the heaviness of the subject matter that he's trying to go with. It doesn't mean you yeah. have to be like you know brooding ab- about it by any means, but I, it's it's kind of hard to uh, I, I think get into the at least for me to get into the headspace that it seems like he wants you in with this album mm-hmm. with the way it's put together. Well, it's it's got two competing uh, ideas going on. It, it has like you said the all the themes that he's dealing with on this. And then dealing with the musical ideas that uh, he, 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 I mean, this is not dissimilar from his other stuff, for sure. Uh, if you go back and listen to it, I, I actually enjoy a lot of his other stuff just because um, it it makes me laugh a little, not in a bad way, <laughs> but it's just funny. It's it's audacious that like he's aping all this stuff and pulling from this history of of jazz and stuff and R and B. That existed long before, like he was born, right? And well, I mean, it's kind of the same thing that we were talking about with Donnie Trumpet. Yeah, yeah. They did a except much that, better job. Except that worked. So, I think what happens, you can see it with a lot of jazz musicians and stuff. Somebody says, uh, you know, you have to make this album, and you can't. Uh, you, you have to have words. And I mean, a jazz musician is is generally going to be focused on the instrument of choice and that instrument unless they're a jazz vocalist is not uh is not going to be their uh, lyric writing per se if you had this album and had these exportions like the kasami washington album and stuff you generally have to tell your audience what this is this is about thematically and stuff mm-hmm. but you can express all these ideas uh very eloquently using just the music and Trying to put this layer on top of it of not really great uh, lyrics or, or thoughts, you know. Um, I mean, I look at a song like Lone Wolf and Cub, which is referencing, you know, an old uh, manga from was was it seventies or eighties? It was. It continued for a long time. It was, it was around it was, for a long, yeah, but I can't remember. You know, and and the idea of you know the lone samurai, which now you're getting into old like hip hop like tropes and stuff, which makes sense, I guess. Um, also pretty squarely in my wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that, but that's what I mean. You, that song, you should be listening to it and you, Paul, should be like, oh, yeah. And there's no way you can. Yeah. Because it's just like, uh, bro. You're, um, I think uh, it's, it's also, I think, it, it's immediate for sure. And maybe that's part of the problem. Is if he is dealing with these issues and he wanted to get them out, it's. I mean, nobody makes like a sixteen-minute album, right? You know? So I, I guess there is. Should probably give him credit for just putting something out there, which is a lot of like if you think of it as like an impro- improvised like jazz record, they just went in, improvised it, recorded, and this is it. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to uh, respect about what's going on, but again, it's just awkwardly. Like cheesy, yeah, it is. But but uh, I will say that I do respect not just that he put it out, but that he that he was a- that he's able to put it out in this form because that those guys that are all working together out uh-huh. there now they are very clearly 
doing what they want to do and putting it out in the form they want to. When Washington puts out a three-hour album called Epic, that's not something that there was a record company being like, please put out a three-hour album Mm -hmm. for us. Uh, Thundercat, this is not like part of some focus group directive. Right. This is, they're following their muse. And the thing is, I'm, look, I'm, I don't, for me, this, this album doesn't really work, but I like to see artists being able to explore and express themselves in the way that makes sense to them. Yeah. And I think that getting the misses out in that way, having the freedom to sometimes miss and hey, we're, Almost on an island, insanely thought he missed right here. This is getting great press for everybody. So yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're those guys. So we're those guys. <laughs> like this, this was a success in any way you want to yeah. think about it for him. Um, and I think I, I think that's great. And I think that the that the, the brain feeder guys being able to do what they want to do is is a good thing for music, just in general. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting. Um, I think it would make a much more interesting show on our end and stuff if. More people did do this because mm-hmm. it's clearly a miss. Um, but you have to do that. And I think doing it publicly is sort of flying in the face of our current culture of like what we produce. Because, you know, we've said it before, like indie rock has lost this year. They are done. Like for now, nah, you've said it, but I've, I've okay. I've, you, you don't subscribe. I've to that. listened to I, quite a few indie good indie releases this you year. Know, so they're, uh, but they're all things you don't like. That's so. true. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there you go. My point is still valid. Uh, it, yeah, it, it, it's fallen into, for the most part, a general like slump of quality of of laziness of just doing like the girl pool album, a classic example of that, um, and. Uh, this, at least in the press, maybe you can see that because Girlpool was praised all the shit. And, is, and like you said, this is being praised as a great album, a great release. Uh, I don't know why I see that differently. Uh, but I think this is... Oh, more- I know exactly why you see it differently and why you should see it differently right here is... That this is somebody who's already proven himself as well, yeah, a, maybe, tal- maybe as a talented it. artist, yeah. and not just talented, but has put put together some great work on some albums that we all really like yeah. right here. And so, seeing somebody take that freedom and explore in whatever way their muse is telling them to is a good thing, whether you like what the output is or not. Girlpool has a whiff of uh, the manufactured about it, and that that's what I think puts it in a different category for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what are you, what are you going to do with this, Paul? I'm going to pass. Are you? Yeah. Um, I am going to stream because I know it'll just show up in my stuff based on everything I've been listening to lately. There's no way I'm not going to hear it and I can put it on and it's inconsequential and just, yeah. So, so I'm going to stream it. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Thundercat. Thundercat, uh, you don't necessarily have to listen to us. Check it out if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as it's not tied to an exclusive, 
you're good to go. Uh, you can you know hear it on Spotify or audio or whatever. We usually put a link in there. Uh, one thing we also usually do is feature a track by a, an artist that we like, uh, maybe a little little lesser known artist, or just try to do some premieres once in a while. We got some good stuff coming up in the next few weeks on that front. But uh, this week, Paul, you finally got to see the North Country. I did. Uh, which was actually the start of my uh, sort of birthday celebrations. So it was nice. So uh, North Country Mazel are a band from huh? – Mazel Tov. Yeah. But North Country is a band from uh, Washington, D.C. We have talked about them before. We'll have a, And we've talked to them before actually. Uh, Andrew Grossman and his crew uh, in my mind made one of the best albums of this year so far. Uh, there is nothing to fear. Uh, so figured we might, you know, take a little time and reintroduce you guys to him if you haven't, uh, since we've actually been picking up a few listeners since those days of 11 listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what we got for you here, uh, this is off of, uh, North Countries, There's Nothing to Fear. Uh, one of the best songs comes in the last, latter half of the album is, uh, Apocrypha Bag of Lies.
All right, there you go. That is the North Country uh, Apocrypha Bag of Lies off there. It's nothing to fear. They just finished up a tour with uh, Big Mama Shakes and uh, played the show. The show we saw was with Anthony Perogtrio, who is also insanely awesome. I'm not sure when they're touring again, but uh, look into them. I'll, I'll post the link on the site uh, of my chat with Andrew Grossman. Uh, and so that is about our podcast for this week. Coming up in the next few weeks, uh, we're going to have another local artist in here, uh, Sarah Curtin. Her album is coming out at the end of July, and she's actually – her release show is with North Country. So this is all like synergy. Like, oh, wow. Together. Look at that. See? It's Local synergy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, – but she's also – unfortunately, this will be out after that. She also will have played uh, Fort Reno. Uh, she's one of the first people to play it this year. Uh, so we'll be talking to her and talking about her new album coming up. Uh, just confirmed that we're going to be getting uh, Jimmy Rhodes from Black Clouds down here, which is honestly, uh, that's going to be just the best. That guy's a motherfucking rock star, and <laughs> it's, uh, if you don't know him, Black Clouds, uh, he works for Live Nation, which some people say, boo, but he's the reason like they get good stuff at the Fillmore from time to time. Um, so we got that coming up. Uh who else we have coming through town? Uh, Wooden Sky might be on here. Nice. If you want, if you want to come out on the ninth to uh, to DC nine, which uh, Paul, you actually, you know, when we were out there the other day, you're like, yeah, this is like pretty much the best venue in DC right now. Yeah, uh, for me it is. I I I love being right up close to the stage like that, and they and they always book like the real up and coming acts. Yeah. And frankly, I think they do they do a better job than a lot of venues at making sure that quality local acts get the opening spots sometimes yeah. so yeah. that's nice when even got, if they're polling but yeah, yeah even if even if they're polling which you know that's that people have different opinions on that but whether you're whether you're polling or not at least when you've got someone getting that getting the hype and mm. you can give somebody else like a little bit of the uh the the tailings of that hype and maybe making another couple of fans yeah. in the audience that night that's you know that's how you increase your profile yep so yep so they're uh you're gonna be there uh we've got that we've got uh it the metal bar that's opening you're just saying metal. So, on my birthday which hair is, metal which not is just metal, if you're listening hair, hair metal which is if you're listening to it on the release day that'll mean tonight if you want to come get shit face with me and paul you can do that <laughs> and listen to metal uh i'm talking to you ben opapari so, <laughs> um we got that uh wooden sky on thursday dale watson's gonna be in town at the birchmere which that's uh yeah i'm just going to a fuck ton of shows this this week so it should be fun so uh there it is there's a podcast i guess this was episode number 123 uh we'll talk to you in about seven days as always uh be good to your ears and be better to your people. See you later. No, 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 no,